Welcome to Walk the Line, the podcast for people working in off-site construction, hosted by Chris Ward from Trunk. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for joining us for the interview. Tell us a bit about yourself to begin with and the company you work for and what it is you do. Yeah, okay. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory. I'm Jamie Part. I'm the director and founder of Best Delivery. We are a specialist consultancy focusing on what is termed as modern methods of construction. We also have international projects, so various different names off-site. I see in the States in industrialized construction, all of the associated kind of technologies and processes that go along with that. Myself, I've gone on quite an interesting route to get to the point of where I am. I suppose the start of my career is always, so I've always been in construction. That's the first main point to take away, but in different guises. So my very first job as a fresh-eyed teenager out of college was a handsome brick. So I've come from like about as traditional as you can get, specifying bricks to house builders and architects, etc. And I've gone on a bit of a journey, which took me a long linked, but not necessarily planned journey to get to offsite. I also spent a number of years in events management, but focused on construction and infrastructure projects, particularly around how to finance those projects, FI funding and the links there, which is in a roundabout way, actually how unintentionally I got into offsite because Obviously, we were engaging with senior level director suite attendees for the events we were organizing. I was on sponsorship sales, essentially. And uh, you start to realize, hold on a minute, like I've got the director, the business development director of Boeing and global contractor and Skanska and all these people are like, there's more to this. And over the time, built relationships with them. One of the guys from Boeing, they at that time had a, a UK subsidiary company that owned, if I remember rightly, it was Thomas Vale. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they've still got the connection. I've lost, lost track of that, but anyway, I did an interview there because I wanted to get into contracting. They didn't have anything, but they had a relationship with a local business, which just happened to be a contractor with a factory. That was how it was pitched. It wasn't modular manufacturer. And then I, uh, that was my sort of first foray into it, got, got a role there. So I've always been in more of a technical, techni- I suppose the role now, if you, I don't really like titles as such, but it's, it would be termed as technical sales type role. And yeah, just blew my tiny little mind, really. I was like, hold on a minute. This is so different. I've been going, if you should go back a few years to like Hanson Brick to like, hold on a minute. <laughs> but, and I just thought it was fantastic. I've had the wherewithal to realize that actually it's not necessarily as refined and as good as what the sales guys would tell you, but there's something in it. And then it just took me on a journey to get to where I am today with a stop in between managing a, an architect's practice that only did offsite projects. So. I've been lucky enough to be involved both directly and indirectly in some of the major kind of offsite education projects in the UK. So our practice delivered what I still believe is the largest volumetric school in the UK, which is in Barking and Dag, which was 22,000 meters squared. So it's a, it's a whopper. I mean, if I remember rightly, it's, it's, it's somewhere in the region of 300 modules that make up the school. So the learning that you got from that project, you can't by good, bad, and indifferent. If I sat here and said it was oh, all smooth sailing, module is amazing. The coordination of that, I guess that you get this from the tech side. So yeah, and then to cut through it and get to work to bring us to present day really. And the rationale for Beth's delivery, I guess, looking back now, Mark Farmer's report came out back into 2016 and we were doing at the architects, probably 90%, 95% of our work, all public sector schools. I was basically commercial. So, and bids focused. So I was bringing the projects in, doing all the commercials, doing the bids, negotiations, etc. And as if overnight, our inquiry shifted from, hold on a minute, you guys do a lot of schools, but you know about this modular stuff. And we were getting like, you know, the, some of the big players now in our office at weekly essential living, gray star pocket, all of those guys, we got, we used to, I call it courting them. We used to court them as you do and see if there's any business in it and go for meals and 
meet them all the time and all the rest of it. And to the point we'd get asked for proposals, but you know, my personal journey started to get, I started to lose interest a bit because every single time they'd say, oh, great. Yeah, we really like what you do, but you haven't got any residential experience and might as well have just recorded the responses. It was the same. And that started my head saying, hold on a minute. There's a massive opportunity in the market here for, in simple terms, a connector between what the client wants or thinks they want and what the supply chain can actually supply. So when we first started, it was that kind of like, I'll call it a connector because it wasn't as advanced as what we're now being termed, which is an integrator, but the basically understanding what the clients are looking for and helping them to align with the right supply chain and solutions, which has now evolved to what we've now become, which is a more, more disciplinary focus, basically business. Yeah. That's m my story. Did, yeah, I can explain a little bit about the, what best delivery do, if you like. Yeah, that was going to be my, my next question actually is just if we maybe use a, an example project, maybe where you might start to be involved, where you might definitely not be involved and if you do anything. Yeah. So, so one of the, the kind of the things to, to start with and differentiate is that we're not a factory. We not, we went down the agnostic route. We do not think and have never thought that there's a silver bullet to this. The solution is determined by the outcome of the required outcomes of the project, the height, mass, shape, form price points, regional location, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so fast forward to class services, basically we focus on four key areas to, to are more common, but we offer four key service areas, which is basically strategic advisory. And I'll give you a couple of examples afterwards, technical, absolute technical and design solutions, project support, and then feasibility services, quick example. So strategic uh, support that is because of where we started, we've got clients on both sides of the divide. So we've got supply chain, MMC supply chain clients and end user clients. Those end users range from local authorities, housing associations, developers, basically hotel developers, etc. And on the supply chain side, as I say, it might be a modular manufacturer. It might be a panelized solution that is really big in Europe and they want to enter the UK market. So we help them with like mapping, mapping and targeting what are the opportunities, that kind of thing. And that, as I say, that's probably one of our core services of the four in terms of the amount of work that we deliver. And then the, on the technical side, that's where it gets really interesting because at the way the market's going at the moment, and I guess our kind of unique position within it is we, over time, I mean, we've been going five years now, we've identified where solutions are required and just give some examples. Like we, we're working with a main contractor at the moment to help them design the house types because they've seen that there might be efficiencies in, in doing that. And it's not just designing it is helping them to understand what's the right solution for us, for the house types we deliver for the region, for our internal governance requirements. We might have a higher requirement than the specification, the local, local or national specification, for example. So it's quite involved. The other services I mentioned, quick example, like project support is our guys are embedded, like someone will call up and say, we need some design management support, more traditional services. And they'd say, okay, yeah, you can have, we can give you two of our guys for X amount of days a week for the duration of the project, whatever that may be. So that's more of our kind of stable projects. And then we have more strategic examples, really. So it's quite, it, it, it's really interesting, <laughs> put it that way, because nothing, we don't, I don't think we've ever had one project that's the same ever. Yeah, yeah, it must be really varied. They're really varied. Yeah, and then the other thing to mention, but is important as well, is that we've not focused, we've not honed in on a sector. Like we, the important thing for us is the process remains there or thereabouts the same, and the methodology that we use. But if you give us a school or you give us a hospital, it's just the parameters that change and the rules basically. So that's why we're uh, kind of in a, like I say, a bit. Of a, we feel a bit of a unique position in that we can adapt to to suit. 
Yeah. You think, okay, all right. And so sitting there where you do agnostic, sort of different parts of the supply chain, different providers. I was at a board reading conversation the other week, and I've been in one before Christmas as well. It was a debate around panelized versus volume. Yeah. Uh, and on one side, one guy's going, panelized, it's not your controlled environment. You basically only do some of it offsite. It's not really, yeah, it's not really the way forward. With the chat, definitely say, volumetric, so hard to make profitable. It's probably not, not going to be for long term. Yeah. You want that? Do you think, what, what, where's your opinion on that? The, I go back to the comment I made at the start. There, there is no silver bullet. The, you can, like with anything in life, you can, if the story matches the reality, you can make anything work. A lot of it is more around people get into this debate. We'd switched off from this. And by the way, I'm talking from a place of experience when we were approached early doors. Oh, we want to do a modular project. And now we just go, why? Okay. What's why? What's good about it? Or do you know? Well, it's quicker, isn't it? All right. So quick speeds of driving for, and you extract the drivers. Look, if there's so many variables, right? You cannot say one is better than the other. You, because. For example, if you give us, if you come to us with a project at stage three, which for the volumetric provider is too, too much, it's too late unless it's been designed with that in mind, I can make it work for a panel. You can make it work. If you come to us at the start, I could make it work for a panel or I could make it work for a module, but that depends on what does the client want, what's the driver, and really importantly, which only a few others out there really get the grasp of. It's actually about the business model deployed. If you look at if you look at some of the successful, really successful volumetric solutions, they have direct or indirect access to prop two sites. So either, when I say indirect, they've got partnership with the housing association or they are buying the site. So therefore they are supplying their own stock, right? They're not, then they're, they're, they're not the massive market forces. Then they're not the massive design changes, massive problem. So until the tech catches up, I feel like when I say this out loud, I sound like Boris, someone like that, a bit of a politician, but I'm not trying to avoid the question. It generally, our view is there is not a better, there are what we refer to it as it's called optimal solutions. Basically <laughs> our view is the MMC should actually be called optimized construction, i.e. what is the best solution for your project? And we've created a methodology and criteria for assessing what that looks like, which includes some of the more common learn it at college type, cost time, quality stuff, but also more, some object, quite a lot of objective and subjective questions to help you to refine down and our, so whilst we don't have an opinion, our approach is to rule out, not rule in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I suppose that's a bit like somebody turning up at a doctor's and saying, I need some paracetamol for this, please. And, and you're going back and you're doing the triage, bit, let's say, and doing the diagnosis because the patient can't say. Yeah. So actually, hold on a minute. Like you definitely don't need paracetamol. This is what you need and here's why. It's that kind of, it's that kind of mentality because that's come through a combination of trial and error experience, addressing what the clients actually need. Yeah. So therefore we've delivered both projects. We've. So some of our guys have just finished on a project, 26 story volumetric hotel, and then we'll do a two story secondary school and sit, sit panels or close wall panels. So it's really, really dependent on the outputs really and the project time. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I'm just looking back over the last 12 months, it's easy to think, talk about the challenges, struggles and, and things that have gone yeah. up. Tell us me about some of your successes in the last 12 months. I know she'd be involved in some award-winning projects, maybe one of those, or just what stands out for you in the last 12 months? Yeah. So there's a few things really, like, and it's dependent again, how you quantify success. But for me, the, as an overall thing, uh, a quantification of success, forget the, the number behind that, but each year since we started, we've 
grown or doubled our turnover. So the business is growing. So that's success. Might not be in terms of number for some, but for me, that's success. The other thing that we've got is we've got some really unique things that we're aware of that, for example, we've got a three-year services agreement with the leading tier one main contractor. So essentially an MMC services framework, which is bespoke and was created in partnership with them. But that's now in a position where it's a, get a call from the region. Yeah, this is the brief and we place a call off order. So that's really successful in the sense that on a low level in terms of oh, great that we got it, but more successful in the sense that actually we've been able to actually impact projects because we're getting earlier strategic level. It's not project level. I think it's an important takeaway. And then the most recent project that we've been involved in, which was, and don't think I mentioned it, which is naughty, but we have a, we call it the best delivery collective basically, but as part of our model, and I'll give you the small backstory behind it, but basically when I started out, it was literally, and I don't have an investor behind me. Don't want an investor behind me. I've been approached about that a number of times because you know, you've got to owe that back at some point and I just, why would you do that? Anyway, that was, that's my view. So where I started to notice, I said, how can I scale without having the money to just bring in huge teams? So I went and spent 18 months or so kind of scouring the market and going through contacts and people we'd worked for in the past and the rest of it to work out who, who fits, first of all, who fits with what we're trying to achieve. And secondly, the ethos being actually I'd rather us all be SMEs that are on a journey, on a growth journey and grow together. So the idea of the collective was formed. It was called the Offsite Collective when we rebranded the Liberty Collective. But in simple terms, the collective is our, if we were a, a major sort of player, Atkins, WSP sized business, there are departments. So we can play, we can play with those, against those guys because we've got a, we, it's a proper, it's not like an informal thing. It's joined by a, an MOU, schedule of rates, contractual agreement between us, which enables to us to offer engineering design and the management services under one, one wrapper, yeah. which, I mean, that's really taken off. It's taken a long time to get the traction, but the last few years, going back to your, spin that back to the question and success stories, we've just delivered a, an incredible project at, at one Sherwood street with our collective partners, which was really for me, an absolute kind of, if you said, what can offsite do like that was the project. So quick high level, why that's a success. We were called in at Reaper stage four with basically I'll cut through the, all of the story, but like why guys, can you help us? We're not, we're genuinely not sure that we can build this roof. Okay. Cause it's a, it's a central London, one low tree, a lorry length. Piccadilly Circus, basically. So you can imagine the technical challenge, incredible amount of geometric com shapes and complex structures because planning was awful, like took four years. And like we're talking, we had one conversation about one view that had, you could see it from, I can't remember, it was a crazy number, 200 angles or something. We used to laugh about it anyway. Anyway, you couldn't move it. So therefore you had to create the rest of the design around that planning requirement. So you can imagine. So anyway. We were given at Reba stage four, a very well into Reba stage four, 2D drawing pack and two weeks to say, how could you apply offsite to this? So we worked together with our collective to basically say, well, first of all, you need to do this in 3D. Like why are you doing such a complex project in 2D in a traditional way? And instead of just, there you go, there's your consultancy piece. We said, we've taken this section, we took it on ourselves to take a section of it and said, well, this is how you could deliver it, mocked it up to the model. And we reckon it will take X amount of weeks to do this for you and we can do it. And they were like, 
wow, okay, done. Where do I sign? Obviously there was a process to get to that point, but we, we worked with our partners in the collective um, D4S and TDS, which is Dan's, hence the uh, Dan Leach, who you've been speaking, who you're going to speak to. And yeah, basically fast forward to now, the project's finished. We conservatively estimated and agreed with the weights team that we knocked five months off the overall delivery program because of the approach. And also for me as well, what's nice is that it's not boxes. It's, yeah. you know, it's, there's some really complicated shapes that have been panelized and delivered. So I went for my sins to Piccadilly at half six in the morning on the first, to see the first panel going up. And since then it's flown up. So there'll be more and more comms coming out about that now because the phase is finished to the project. So that's probably, if you go back to your question, the last 12 months, that was probably our biggest success. Hopefully we can win some awards. We're going to go in for offsite award and all the rest of it. So it sounds a really interesting project that, and yeah, the toughest challenges are always the ones you can be most proud of when you really nail it. Brilliant. Yeah. I love that collaborative approach there of the eventually reflected. You say you doubled in size, this obviously that's a, that's a tremendous journey, maybe doubling the size of the team, maybe you totally changing the model of how you deliver, deliver services. Yeah. Have you achieved that through that? I don't know. Like, is that how you approach that? Well, that's, it's been an, it's been a reason for it, but it's been through the team, the core team is that are our consultants. So that it's the consultancy side of the business that's grown. Now I'm ground enough to accept that the market's grown, but we could have just not been offering the right thing and just fizzled into, we've seen lots of people claiming to be MMC consultants that disappear after a month, a few months. So we're still around. I take that as a, they said, they always say whether it's true or not, cause I've never had a business before, but they would say that if you get past the first these three years as a startup, you, you, you should be all right. So <laughs> who knows, <laughs> hopefully I don't jinx myself, but yeah, so yeah, so it's been pretty hardcore, but the, the collective has enabled us now people are realizing the benefit of it. Like it's the, the, the inquiries that we've got at the moment at in the, the start of this year, are the most we've ever had, put it that way. Yeah. It's really just wrapped up. So that's good. Before it's nice to start the year that way. Definitely. We've done the sort of some reflecting, but then now looking ahead this year, what's the most exciting or interesting thing on your horizon? Mate? For me, well, I don't know, you probably guess some reason to be enthusiastic. So it's all quite exciting to be fair. The sort of kind of high level of things that I'm quite excited about are the opportunities to develop. We've got a number of opportunities uh, ongoing at the moment to where we're developing MMC products and house types. So that's a kind of watch this space type thing. I wouldn't say an outside distraction, but an exciting conversation that we're having are getting more and more involved on the international projects. So there's some of the, some major projects that we're getting quite advanced on in terms of being engaged, which again, will be really exciting and help us to step up as well again. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. It's more around, you know, legit. for me, it's a chance to influence something like there's a better way of doing something, but you need that chance to influence it. And so that's what I'm excited about because we're now starting to get into the crux of strategic level, beginning of the journey, all the things that we pre preach in kind of MMC, we, we're actually getting on projects. Whereas before, and the, by the way, the market's learning as well, of course, it's like we were more project level, which it's, a, it's a lottery, whether you can influence it. Going back to my point about the variables, what time are you joining? Has board actually got given sign off to go MMC or is it just some guy in the board's got, oh yeah, team, you need to do MMC on this project. And the poor, poor project team are like, so you give me a deadline of eight weeks to turn around the planning app or whatever. And now I've got to do MMC. Yeah. Sort of thing. So you get me less chance to influence things. I think so that kind of future thinking about having that shift towards more strategic 
impact is what I'm most excited about because I must be do this because we strongly believe that this is the way to go in the future of the sector, really. So that's, that's my view on it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Now, what's the biggest challenge within that at the moment? So the biggest challenge on the horizon? It still remains these perceived and in some instances, completely irrational kind of barriers that they exist around risks. Uh, and that's probably the biggest challenge. I guess I don't necessarily always like to speak about challenges. We don't ignore them, but it's like, how can we fix that? And the biggest thing for us, which is our kind of mission number one at the moment is we call it prove it's better. Like that's our tagline is, and what I mean by it is basically capturing tangible, real data to say, this is better than this. So that in future, you might ask the question about which is better panels or pots. Well, actually panels is massively better full stop, or it may never get to that because again, you've got so many variables, carbon being the biggest, the biggest challenge slash opportunity at the moment is actually helping this merchant to understand what does it mean to me and how does that benefit me? How do I get like loads of money doing all my carbon counts, but is that going to help me to win the project over someone else? So we're doing a lot of data capture at the moment, trying to build up kind of a, a picture of where the sector's at. So that's, I guess that's both. There's a challenge and an opportunity. That yeah, and definitely, you know, on, on day to do, do what we do, just how having that awareness, let's say day to given, we, we talk about facts, not opinions. Let's say as soon as you start backing something up with facts like that, it's less of a finger pointing or us versus them, or it's just there, there's the answer. And it's really clear. It's like, oh yeah, I get that now. And if you can put a pound and pence uh, figure against that as well, then commercially that's what there's the clear route and you're backed by board or whoever in that room when you've got the data there. Yeah. Okay. And linked with that, I suppose, just before the interview, we were talking and I just wanted to put the brakes on because we might get into a deep topic really, but talking about the opportunity for technology in our site at the minute, what do you see there? Is there what's longer the opportunity? Yeah. The short answer is yes. There are loads of opportunities that again, said I don't like to talk about challenges, but with this one, you do need to mention it is one of the things that I'm quite keen on is not using technology for technology's sake. We were on a debate, really interesting. I love the, love those kind of group think type. And, and, and ever I get an invite for it, I'll join it because you, who knows what you're going to find. And I'm really in one called zero recently, which is really interesting. And we're talking about zero. So zero carbon obviously is the overall theme of that. But again, all roads will lead to the same place around what part of the decarbonization actually makes the most impact. And they're all going about technology and it, don't get me wrong, the figures here or quoted, but the, it was really small. I think it was 1% or 2% of actually digitization has an impact on the construction project. And the rest was like in the physical build and the operational carbon. So it depends what angle you go in on the, I can tell you what I see as the biggest opportunities from our side for tech, which is absolutely love where the generative design space is going. We have scoured the market spoken to most of the major players within that and actually have come to a, one of the, what we think is one of the best in our collective that we work with, and they're doing some incredible process improvement using AI and digital tools, basically, for example, they're working with a modular manufacturer who currently has lots and lots of layers of Revit models for their modular homes yeah. and to collate that into one design that's linked and the code basically, I don't know, at the moment. If you imagine the cost and time implication of a redesign, so you have a product, it's X by Y meters long, meters wide. I say, oh, sorry, can you, I want it an extra half a meter wide for our product. And we'll give you a thousand on an order if you do that. 
Ah, so now I've got to go redesign it, but not only redesign structure, I've got to think about, okay, that's X amount of more plastic or next, or to move all of my inlets, outlets, M&E affects the whole thing. So basically you're redesigning every time. So their tool has basically worked out a way of, of coding that process so that you click a button and it, okay, the plaster board and it does the cut sheets and everything. And the modular manufacturers basically said like, how do we do, like, you've saved so much money, like, where do you assign to do more with us? Like, it's in, and so that's where tech's being applied really well. The other, other way, just why I'm interested in what you guys are doing as well is the process management side. Mm-hmm. The one thing that. I identified within this, and by the way, it's not my personal specialism, but I've got people in the team that are process nerds, as they call themselves. They, the thing that people completely overlook with DFMA, MMC, right? It is a process that is different to the current way of doing it. So if you apply the current construction process to modular, guess what? You're going to have a problem in the project, not going to go as you want, because in real terms, if you're doing a project that's fairly standardized already, you should really be doing state, putting, dropping stage four level information or higher. And if you've got proper objects into your design to stage three, stage two, bringing, condensing the design program as well as the delivery program. So anything that is emerging as a process tool is, is, is always of interest. Some are good, some are bad. We have Devin Spell always when I've got time to go on demonstrations, think what's, how's that different to another that we've already seen so you know really the other two areas it's always this swirling debate is like switch switch off from it about golden thread and bib and all that and it's just like is that just another tick in the box to sell i keep out of that one that there are other people more qualified for that debate but to me it's like keep talking about bim etc just do, either just do it or yeah true like, true, true. It's it's those things isn't it uh, and that's what you mentioned there, just for you're just in the, maybe the footprints of the building uh, more easily. Can, can you enter mention what that is? I'm curious. Yeah, so, it's, um, so our partners are a company called Matalab. They've created a solution which is called Cope AI, AIPE. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it blows the doors off what, what the thinking behind, behind MMC. Uh, and there are companies out there as well. We're engaging with an American company that Silicon Valley type stuff for just inv- people frying money at AI based decision-making tools and, but some of them are a bit, the, the, the challenge with those is that you have to be a rocket scientist to understand it. But the, so for us, the, our, our, one of our other kind of ethoses or mantras is actually everything in this space should be designed for someone literally just come out of college that can understand and use it. Yes. Absolutely. If the value pr- proposition is not clear and it's not, all right, I can just go on my phone or my iPad and use it. Like, I've just switched off, mate, because you're just talking in riddles. You're talking in industry slark jargon, basically. And by the way, guilty as charged at the start, difference between modular panels, pods, like all of that. There's been massive movements in terms of trying to quantify all of that, which helps all of us. So I think it will be the same in time with tech, but it just needs to be absolute no brainer. It's like, I pick this up, I use it. What does it do? Oh, wow. I've just made my life 50 cent easier. Go like that. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree. What we were saying earlier as well, you used the analogy, I think, online of the sort of progression of phones. And we use the sort of the internet as an example of things you worked out. And yes, at one of the scale, now you've got exciting technologies like AI that are coming in way, way ahead of some of the struggles that, that MMC are also sitting to see. are just almost the other end, it's some businesses are going through the journey of becoming, going from a building site with the reef basically to manufacturing processes and ultimately heading towards a journey that makes them look like a, an F1 pit stop almost in terms of how slick the process is. But that's a real difficult 
journey as well. So you've got the digital and the physical going on and you as well as the real elite end, you use buying things to the, the earliest stages. Mm, okay. Right. And you touched on something earlier about perceived risks in offsite as well. But what do you think is needed then for offsite construction to take root and become the, the main way that we build? I think we just answered that indirectly with the last two two <clears throat> threads is that it's two things. Prove it's better data. Like why would to to get it to a point that's like why would I not? Basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, which is a journey and to collect lots of data, you need to do lots of projects. So it's chicken and egg. And also you need to, one of the critical things is you need to have collected the data or go and do it. So therefore companies don't necessarily have the budgets to go and do these reviews to capture the data because the project specific budget has a certain margin, they deliver it and they move on. So there's that challenge. And it's, it's linked to that is that the value proposition needs to be clear. Like what, why? <laughs> yes. Why is that better for me? Like, why should I use it? But. I will caveat slash sort of change the focus on that slightly. And that is it, should we even be talking about MMC? True. True. So I don't know if you, you may not have seen it or read it, but we did a kind of positioning document, which was part of our rebrand that helped us to articulate what, how we think and how we approach projects, which is called beyond MMC and how in simple terms, it sounds a bit philosophical, but it's quite simple. It's like starting the conversation with the outcome being MMC, you're asking the wrong, that's our view. Yeah. And also pragmatically within that, all like, are we going to have a chat in 10, 15 years time and still call it MMC because that's confusing because what's modern now? It's not modern. Modern is a word that does modern would imply that in 10 years time it would be something else. Yes. So we repositioned MMC around optimal construction. Going back to my last point about the data, the optimal construction solution will be defined by the data and the parameters of the project. So we've risk of sounding like a bit of a broken record, actually the data will dictate all of the other things. And if you go back to what we're doing in terms of consultancy, we've now got a nice data set to be able to say on certain projects, yes, this is the best way to do it with absolute certainty. Other projects, are, if anybody tells you they have, and they know all the answers, this is a lie, and even the big players, it just doesn't, it's not true. They may have it on a specific set of schemes they've delivered, but they couldn't apply that. So everybody's in that space. So is there, I guess one of my kind of challenges when I speak to people, is there a way that we could actually all play nice and share that data in a pool, pooled way that the, the, the addresses the challenge of not giving away commercial advantage? Because unfortunately we're in a world where commercial advantage is what gets you where you need to be, not, not uh, necessarily, oh yeah, we're all lovely and sharing and whatnot, because is that, does that help? It's that kind of friction, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 Okay. Let's put one question touched on earlier about if you have any particularly strong opinions that you wanted to share or talk about, but also, is there anything that I should have asked you today, but I haven't done? I think that's quite a good overview. Like if, if you ask me if someone that's listening in, what, wanting to get a kind of boots on the ground, what's going on in, in the space, really, yeah, I think it covered everything. I think the, is there anything you want to talk about? No, I think covered it. Is there anything that I would say is a really important closing comment is probably just to reinforce the fact that we really all need to start working together to collect data. Like if you want to change something, you want to change from what we're doing now to something else, you need to back it. The days of claim of, oh yeah, our project, our products, we could deliver our product 50% quicker and this and that and the other is, is done, it's finished. You, people, people are seeing through that. Yes, by the way, just be very clear that like you can get those savings. You, you certainly can, but you can also get at a cock-ups where it just goes over, it goes massively over because the process hasn't been planned properly. So 
everybody should be focusing on collecting whatever the data set may be, you need to actually get real tangible data. So carbon is one massive area. You've got performance data, making sure that you're planning in to put tests, air tightness tests into your program, into your budget. It's going to, it's going to change things. If you, because in time, then you'd be able to say, well, oh, hold on a minute. We can even compare that against traditional by saying, well, actually we've got more, we've even got more data than traditional. So you're going to go that way. It's, it, it comes back to that. It's really logic, isn't it? It's like someone always said, someone said to me a good analogy, which I, well, I stick with this like, well, when you got, when you first use Uber, didn't have to read an instruction manual, did you? You went, right, I need a taxi. Open my phone. It's telling me where the taxis are. Drop the pin. Right, your taxi will be in three minutes. Why would you not use it? <laughs> Obviously now other players have come into the market, but it's the point of, I didn't have to be a rocket scientist to use it. It's the same with modular. If modular is the best way, it should just be the best way. Yes. Yes. And there's some other things there. You really, really good analogy as well. It's uncertainty in our outcome, predictability, data to back them up, all of that, visibility. Those are all, all of those things help as well. Definitely. Okay. Well, yeah, that's it. That's, that's it really. Yeah. No, thank you very much for that. I'm conscious of your time. I could carry on for ages to be honest. This is really interesting, but I'd like to keep them light on your time and light on the listeners as well. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. All right. Have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Trunk, the dynamic scheduling platform for off-site construction. Harnessing AI to help your factory deliver more each day. Check out www.trunk.works to find out more.